Welcome in College Football Weekly. Steve Sparky, Pfeiffer, hanging out with you. Don Wachillis in route as we talk some uh, college football with you here on a Thursday night leading up to the pro game uh, involving your Green Bay Packers tonight. And obviously, uh, the Wisconsin Badgers uh, being one of those teams uh, that we'll talk about uh, tonight and how they've looked as of recently. And I, I don't know about everybody else, but I am of the opinion right now uh, that if I am the Wisconsin Badgers and I realize that Alex Hornibrook uh, is the guy, I don't know, man. Graham Mertz, incoming freshman, that whole deal. That's that's the thing here is Alex Hornibrook isn't anything special. I think we all agree that Hornibrook's not anything special. And I think we all agree that Jack Cohen clearly is not the future quarterback uh, for Badger football going forward. Jack Cohen is not that guy, right? He, he's not the guy that's going to go win a Heisman. He's not the guy that's probably going to win you a national championship. He's just not it. I don't even know if they can win a game with Jack Cohen the rest of the year. You've got two games left. You've got the Badgers and Purdue, and then you've got Minnesota at Wisconsin. Those are your next two games. Both 230 starts. Now, Purdue has a lot of controversy surrounding them right now. Because Dan Dockich, uh, who does a sports talk radio show down in the Indianapolis area, and we've had Dan Dockich on the Wendy's Big Show before, uh, he put out there that the head coach, Jeff Brom uh, of Purdue, will be announced as the new head football coach of Louisville two days after the regular season is over. So now, Brom has had to respond to that at Purdue and says it's completely false, it's not true, you know, it's ridiculous, there's no way. I- I'm just going to say this. Dan Dockage's Dan Dockage's is that how you would say it, plural? Dan Dockage's? That sounds weird. Uh, his track record's pretty good at calling his shot. And anything down there in the state of Indiana when it comes to people getting fired, uh, people being hurt, whatever. He called the Andrew Luck thing, what really happened with Andrew Luck. And everybody said he was nuts. Everybody denied it, said he was crazy. And then fast forward, and Andrew Luck tells you what actually happened. And Dockage had it right way, way months and months and months in advance when he told you what happened. So now, Brom, if this is true, if it's true that he already has had the discussions with Louisville, that he is going to go and be the Louisville head coach, is now a distracted head football coach as they get ready to take on the Wisconsin Badgers. This is a big, big Deal, I would think, for not only the Badgers as far as, you know, how they're going to respond playing the Purdue Boilmakers, but the other part of this is, are his team, his players in his locker room that look at Brom and say, you're our coach, show us. But have no fear, because if Jack Cohen has to play quarterback again this week, it's not going to really matter, probably. Now, Hornibrook, we think he's been practicing because you're not allowed to really see what's going on. But based on reports, he's walking out with practice jersey on. So everybody thinks he's practicing. People think uh, he'll be able to play this weekend against Purdue. And I'm not going to say Orlovsky's a better quarterback than Jeff Cohen. I'm not going to go that far. But I'm telling you, I had hopes up for Cohen. Because this is a kid that was one of the better quarterbacks in the state of New York coming out when the Badgers recruited him. And I was pretty excited. And then Gary Ellerson, before the season started, when he saw him in uh, spring practice, came back to me 
and said, Sparky, no, he's not the guy. He's, he's, he's not going to be the guy that you think he's going to be. He's not the guy. Trust me, he's not the guy. So then I was like, oh, come on, Gary. How bad could he possibly be? And again, he's not horrible necessarily, but he you've got to be at a higher level than what Jack Cohen is playing at uh, to this point. So could Jack Cohen go and start for a lower Division One program in a different conference or something like that and maybe win some football games? Yeah, maybe. I just don't think he's the right fit for Wisconsin. And then we have Alex Hornerbrook, who we've seen enough of. I've seen enough of. Olaski, have you seen enough of Hornerbrook to last you a lifetime? Uh, yeah. You're done. Two lifetimes. So now you have to think, if you're Paul Chris, what's next? Do we move forward with Graham Mertz, an incoming freshman? Because as we talked about with John McNamara from BadgerBlitz.com, part of the Rivals uh, recruiting network, he said he's going to be an early entrant after the first of the year. So he's going to be going to school at Madison, and will be available for spring practice, which means you get for spring, summer, and fall, learning the playbook, practicing with the guys, the whole deal. I think it's going to come down to how big a guts Chris has in starting a true freshman over a guy that's been there and been doing it for a while in Alex Hornerbrook. Because former Badger head coaches aren't doing this. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, you know, it's very important that Hornerbrook comes back and, you know, Cone's got one more game that he can play, and then he'll reach his four-game limit where he is able to redshirt this season, which was the doesn't plan matter. all along. He's, well, you know. Jeff, you, it doesn't matter because he's not going to start for you in the future anyhow if everything goes right. If Mertz is that guy, who cares if he burns a year of eligibility? It doesn't matter because he's going to be the backup to Graham Mertz if Mertz is everything we think he is going forward. That's what I'm saying. Listen, if I thought Jack Cohen was going to be a starter here for two more years after this year, or three if he doesn't burn his eligibility, let's say, right? Right. Then that's a big deal. If I don't think he's anything more than a backup, probably, then I don't really care. Yeah, but Personally. you still want to have him to back up Mertz. Sure. You, you know, need a body. Yeah. You recruited him for a reason. You yeah. saw potential there. Sure. You don't want to give up on your recruits that easy. So you definitely want to save this season. This season is lost anyway. For sure. You know, this has just been an utter disaster from going into into the year expecting making the Final Four, you know, uh, college football playoff and everything like that. You get destroyed by BYU. You get destroyed by Michigan. You get, you know, the losses just keep uh, just keep going and going. So I would sit there and if you have to play Cone this week, fine. But no matter what, after that, I sit there and yank him, redshirt him, and who cares if you sit there and you start, if Hornibrook couldn't go next week, then you sit there and start a receiver and just run Wildcat. Oh, get out of here, bro, Wildcat. Why not? Yeah, he's like, I, listen, listen. Why not? Uh, okay. That, uh, now, what chills isn't here yet. When well, Chills gets here, he's going to say you're crazy, too. Because, and I don't know Don's thoughts on Jack Cohen. I, I don't know if he likes Cohen, if he thinks he's a very good quarterback or not. I'm not in that camp. I'm not going to be in that camp. Can a kid improve? He can improve, right? You're in college. So you should get better from year one to year two to year three. You should definitely get better. Uh, But can he get that much better to make me convinced that he can go and win, you know, nine games uh, on the schedule? Can he get that better to where he can go out there and not only impress me, but also impress his teammates and everybody else? We know Graham Mertz. Based on high school, you know, look and see what he looked at in high school. We know what Graham Mertz is all about at the end of the day. 
All right, so Dot with Chillis is here now. Are you a Jack Cohen fan, or uh, are you like me and not a believer? I haven't been a believer yet. I think the sample size is a little small. What about Graham Mert? Graham Mert, I'm all in. Ha! I'm all okay, in. Okay, now wait a second. Jack Cohen, small sample size. He's playing Division I college football. I understand. Graham Mert had a snap, and you're in on this kid already. Only because I haven't been blown away by Cohen. And obviously what we're getting out of Hornerbrook at this point, God, am I getting old? I'm out of breath running from the parking lot. Um, <laughs> That's all right, man. We're what, all getting old. What, Everybody in this room is old. Don't worry about it. What we're seeing from Hornerbrook, I don't think now translates into next year simply because of the fact now you got this whole concussion thing to think about. And it right. seems if, if there's a strong gust of wind, Hornerbrook suddenly is on the concussion protocol list. Right. I think it's, I think it's time. And I was listening as I was making my way in. You, you have to – Take that big step and go with the freshman and see what you got. It's because so unbadger-like, though. I know. I know. I, it is. But it's been unbadger-like this year for a team that dominated with the run. For sure. And has scared people, literally, with the run. I mean, teams have gone in nervous about trying to stop the run because we've been able to wear teams down. Teams aren't nervous about that anymore. Well, and, you, and Taylor will fumble the football, give you a chance there, too. But from that standpoint... Going back to maybe Barry Alvarez, this is probably the most talented wide receiving core they've had in a long time at Wisconsin. Yes, I mean, from that standpoint, for years, Gary and I are on the big show, and we're talking to John McNamara, and we're like, dude, are we ever going to get some good wide receivers? Are we ever going to get some talented guys? Well, we got some now, and they're going to be here for a couple of years. You've got time. So if you bring Mertz in, my thing just is, is that offensive line going to be good enough next year because they're not going to be the same crew? you got a bunch of guys leaving. Are they good enough to protect this freshman and make him feel comfortable to be able to throw that ball? Because you got to think Taylor's probably gone, right? You're going to lose two or three offensive linemen, and you're going to have guys switching positions, and then you have the receivers. That's for me, is the biggest thing. If you feel like you can protect them, then I start Mertz. So let's go, let's go glass half full. We're going to replace a couple of linemen, and yep. we seem to do that year in and year out. I mean, if there's one thing Wisconsin is able to do, it's replenish the offensive for line. For sure. You got the ability has history has shown to replace and replenish at the running back position. Yes. So we, we've we been able to – one guy leaves, one guy's a Heisman Trophy candidate, next guy up, and – Do it all over again. Well, here we go. Exactly. Right. It's, to me, the maturity level, the stature of a, of a young man coming in as a freshman, do you feel comfortable enough that from a mental standpoint, can this kid make a couple of mistakes and then not be ruined – for a four-year career. Uh, the thing that I like about it is he's going to be here in the spring. So he's going to get spring practice. He's going to have the playbook, the whole deal. He's not going to be bothered about high school and trying to graduate and all that other stuff and partying with his high school kids. So he's going to get – and plus, he'll be integrated into the college way of life. So he's going to learn that a little bit. Yeah. And then you're going to get to go home for a month or whatever it is. Then you're going to come back, back on campus in July, whatever the case may be, and now you've got summer practice. You're right back into it again. He's going to have the leeway – that the, a true freshman probably needs to be able to come in and start in year one. Steve, that acclimation for a freshman is is enormous. Yep. Because that transition from being at home under mom and dad's roof or grandma and grandpa or whoever, whoever you're living with, and right. then getting out there and being on your own and having all of the responsibilities that come just with college life alone. Now add one, add on, excuse me, Division One football to it. I don't know if we can make the same parallel between football and basketball. But look at what the Hauser brothers have done by coming to Marquette in the spring, getting acclimated, yep. like we said, and then all of a sudden, once the season is up and running, I mean, you're looking at the younger one, 
yesterday or yeah yesterday against Indiana, and though they, they didn't got play slapped. well, yeah, but he looks comfortable on the sure floor. Does. He doesn't look lost. And I think by coming in the spring and getting, as you said, your spring practices in, you get to get a little bit of that homesickness out by going home for a little while. Yep. The development that takes place just in that six month span is enormous. I didn't look at the Badgers. I'm pretty sure it's not all that good. The Badgers non uh conference schedule uh next year. I'm gonna look at that right now. Because that's the other thing. If they're playing cupcakes like they normally do, um, that would also help. If they're playing a bunch of teams that aren't all that great and not having to deal with I mean, I'm pretty sure they don't have an Alabama or anything like that on the schedule next year. Yeah. At South Florida. Home versus Central Michigan, and then it picks up quick. Then it's home versus Michigan, home versus Northwestern, home versus Kent State in the middle of the Big Ten schedule, home versus Michigan State, at Illinois, at Ohio State, and then you finally get your bye after the Ohio State game. You look at USF and Central Michigan, obviously nowhere near the level of a Big Ten competition challenge but, but south florida's in tampa august 31st it's going to be hot it's going to be hot and right now at least from a football perspective they're they're respectable it, it they're not great no but you're looking at uh, to me the equivalency of maybe a byu for sure and look what byu did when they came to camp randall oh great so the fact that yeah it's it's like you said it's not alabama or lsu right. or sec team they're still kind of respectable as far as football but goes. But he won't be intimidated going into no, South Florida. No. UC Alabama, Nick Saban walking on the field, you're like, oh, crap, what am I doing? Right, here we go. Listen, Get you ready. take a, a four-year quarterback walking Same in some thing. of those situations. <laughs> right. Yes, sir. No doubt. Yes, so that's sir. why I think this helps. Now, the other thing is you have to have a lot of confidence, and these high school kids coming in as freshmen all don't lack confidence because they were all stars at their high schools or whatever the case may be. It's different. I, I, just, don't, I just don't know if Chris has the guts to do it. I don't I don't think he will, honestly, because Chris has been known to stand behind his kids who he's had that he's brought in and that he sticks by then for the course of their right. their time with Wisconsin. So I don't think he's ready to throw Hornerbrook to the wolves unless to me, Hornerbrook, if it's if it becomes a medical thing, which it tends to be looking at right now. For sure. He just seems to a gust of wind comes and all of a sudden we're on the concussion protocol. I'm not I'm not sure what that will translate into next year. And Cone right now is gonna have to just now he's some uh, sort of huge yeah, leap no. in the spring or summer to convince anybody outside of maybe the immediate coaching staff that he's ready and available to take that next step. If Merce comes in and looks good, I could see Cohen saying, I'm done, I'm transferring, I'm out of here. Uh by the way, we got a tweet here before I roll out and I'll let you have your show. Uh <laughs> big blue on the west side. Uh, Steve Gladney. Do you know that name? Yes. Yeah. He says, tell Don, yes, he's getting old because I'm getting old. He was my fourth grade teacher. <laughs> LOL. Steven, turn the radio off. I'll find you, Steven. Hey. Steven, hey, Steven was in my very first class back. Oh, gosh. Did you have hair back then? Yeah, I did. I had a mullet. Oh, oh, awesome. No. Awesome. You could roll into school and look businesslike, and on Friday, it was party <laughs> in the back, I'm telling you. <laughs> but that was, let's see. So he he's, oh, my gosh, that's 29 years ago. Yeah. It's been a while. Thanks, Steve. Hey, Appreciate Sparky, you, since, since you you're here, yeah. okay, one thing that we, we talked about a couple weeks ago, if Jonathan Taylor goes to Paul Christ and says, listen, I know I'm bound to play on Sundays. I've seen this play out where if Hornibrook is going to be my starter next season, 
you know, if he goes and says, I want either Mertz or I'm going to just sit out and get ready for the draft. He won't do that. You don't think he'll do that? No chance. Nope. He's a badger. That's not happening. He's got everything on tape. The only issue is Bubbles. that he puts the he puts the ball on a carpet. Yeah. If he didn't fumble, I would sit there and I'd, I'd be, you've got all my 200 games on tape. Watch that. I'm getting drafted first round no matter what. But with the fumbling problem, I don't think it I gets would. Iffy. I don't think he does. See, Jeff, I think you could have that discussion, which you were just having with Sparky, with Hornerbrook. If Hornerbrook comes back, and I know what I've got, I've been around. I've been around Hornerbrook. Now, I'm not saying what he's like in the locker room. I'm just talking about what he's done on the field. Right. If this is what you're going to put out there as our starting quarterback. I might have to contemplate this. I right. might have to contemplate jumping ship. I just don't think he'll throw his teammate under the bus. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I just don't think he does it. I don't think he would do it publicly, but I think close door with Chris. Maybe the action might speak yeah. louder than anything else when the time comes. Good stuff. All right, boys. Sparky, that was fun. Thank you, sir. Should do the show more often with which you. Listen. A lot of fun. <laughs> All right. Appreciate you. Want to place Rami on the big there. show during the week? You want to come in? All you got to do is call. Some. All right, boy, that was and fun. And then, yeah, stuff. call, but maybe I won't be 10 minutes. You'll late, have fun so. with Gary and Leroy and all of that. And, oh, it's a party in the afternoon. No party in the back, though, with those guys. <laughs> hey, that was, as you can tell, that's been long gone, buddy. That's been long gone. All right, we got to take a break. Sparky, thank you so much for uh, hanging around for a little bit. When we come back, we'll continue our Badger talk right here on the College Football Show on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back in to the College Football Show right here on 105.7 FM. The Fan, 1250 AM, or as always, on the Radio.com app. Don Wachillis alongside Jeff Rolowski, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Kind enough to sit hey, in now. and join us for a little bit. It was so much bit. fun, I couldn't leave. That's awesome. Hey, before we talk a little bit about the game last week, did you guys see this Davidson uh, putting up 789 yards rushing? Yes, and they and lost. lost. And they and lost. They lost. <laughs> three guys, was it three three or four guys over 150 yards rushing? Yeah. And they lost. Yeah. How, how do you do that? How bad is your defense? Oh. <laughs> on both sides. Did Quite the, honestly, on both sides. Did the defensive coordinators get fired in that after that game? I don't think the Mustangs in the old Arena League were able to put up yards like that. I mean, that Walking just had Mustangs, to be up yeah. and down the field like there was no tomorrow. The three of us could have ran behind that offensive line. You know, that's funny because there were two stories that really came out this week uh, that were random college stories. That was one of them. The other one was a college basketball story. Did you see that kid take a jumper from the corner? And the kid against him just came over elbow. and threw the forearm elbow to his face and just, like, knocked him out. Yeah, and, and the why is still out there. No one knows why, at least. I haven't read anything as to why. No, I mean, the kid's suspended, but I, I was just shocked when I saw that. Well, suspended, kicked off campus. I yep. mean, he's been booted from school, which kudos to the school. Yeah, I mean, for absolutely. seeing the video and standing up. I mean, I don't know where the kid is uh, as far as the team goes from a, from a statistical standpoint, but what he did – uh, was just that was just unbelievable. Uh, absolutely, it was uncalled for. I mean, that's uncalled the understatement of the year. Yeah. There we go. All right, last week, Badgers go to Penn State and they lose twenty-two to ten. I almost felt like guys that we could have gone back and taken the show from last week, the week before, the week before that. You mm-hmm. could go back, and we could have gone in into the edit bay and just inserted. 
Penn State. Sure. And replayed the show, and every time we threw in another team, we just would have went Penn State. And we would have had the same discussion that we're about to have right now because this team in their first series looks okay. Taylor. Taylor, boom, yep. 70 yards. Looks fine. Felt good. Defense, not bad. Nope. But what do we do again? We have that one crucial mistake. We're on a three and out. We make a penalty. Next thing you know, the offense is back on the field for Penn State in this case. Down the field they come. Yep. And next thing you know, we're playing You're from just behind. Not good enough to overcome mistakes. You're just not good enough to do that. You know, other teams, other Badger teams in given years, yeah, you could overcome a fumble. Oh, you could overcome a Hornet Brook interception every single game last year. Sim, like, sure, this team, you can't do that. You you can't overcome a couple of interceptions by a quarterback. You can't overcome a fumble in a key situation or a missed field goal late at the end of a game or they just can't. They're just not good enough this year. Is it me, or is there some irony to the fact that I know the Packer game is getting ready to start and listening, Steve, to you guys on the big show in the afternoon? I mean, one of the things everybody is screaming for is the Packers to run the ball. Yep. And when it comes to the Badgers, everybody's screaming for the Badgers to throw the ball. Just the way things have flipped, you know, we're, we're very comfortable with the Badgers running the ball. We just need somebody who can throw the rock. Yeah. And now Haven't we're had one at the since Packers, we've got somebody who can throw the rock. Now we just want them to run the ball more consistently. And both teams right now, at least in this state, like I said last week, we hang our hats right now. Whitewater is our hope, right. our hopes and our dreams when it comes to the gridiron. But when we're talking about the Packers and the Badgers, both teams right now are just not good enough to create the mistakes that they have in years past and then be able to overcome them. I'm going to derail this because this is what I do. Oh, here we go. What I do for a living. I derail <laughs> things. You brought up Whitewater. Yeah. And I have seen some social media chirp about people uh, thinking that Whitewater should be higher than they are, and they should be considered for a D1 no. football program and all no. of this, and they aren't ever going to be allowed to because of the Badgers and Madison. No. And that's the only reason they can't be a D1 football program and no. screw Madison. A lot of this chirp coming from, again, they're college kids yeah. that are, are feeling good about themselves about Whitewater and thinking that they should be higher than they are. Understand this. Whitewater is in a perfect division for what that school is and what that school does. And they're extremely successful mm -hmm. at what they do. For a long time. We've had a lot of schools in this state, Whitewater. Oshkosh filled the void when Whitewater stumbled a little bit. You go back 20, 25 years, what Whitewater is experiencing, that was what lacrosse was doing. Eau Claire was in the mix. Platteville was in the mix. That WEAC conference has been extremely successful at that level for a reason because they're a group of schools that rank in the Division Three category. They are not Division One. They are not a destination place for somebody just because you offer a scholarship. The athletes that go there are incredible. They are incredible athletes, and they play at the level they are fitted best for. And every once in a while, you'll find a Division Three athlete that makes it to the pros. Every once in a while, you'll get one. Absolutely. But they're not at the same level as a Division One program. I'm telling you right now, for as much as we're ratting on the Badgers, if the Badgers and Whitewater were to line up against one another, the spread in Vegas would be unbelievably I, high. I don't, I don't think they think Whitewater can beat Wisconsin. But what I think people are, are, are kind of putting together here is Leopold goes to Buffalo and is doing his thing, yep. right? Now here's this coaching staff, and they're doing their thing. And I got a feeling they think, listen – we know we can't win a Division One game with what we've got, 
But clearly, we've had the coaches to come through here that are good enough to be at a D1 level. And if we were playing by the same rules, maybe we could compete with that school in Madison because of the coaches are so good. This is what happens. What I think happens with fans are, from my experience, is when you have a line of success like they're having, yeah, and you're switching in and out coaches and everything else, and it doesn't stop the train. The train just keeps chugging along. Then fans go, hey you know what, yeah, it's about the kids, but we've gone through several classes here, and the same product is still being put out there. Coaches are changing and everything else, and now I think there's that little bit of momentum feeling good about yourself of, it's been going on for how many years now? Like, why? Because you've seen other schools, you know, be able to move up into the Division One level or whatever the case may be. We're talking about South Florida, Central Florida, yeah. or whoever yeah. was last to do it. So it's possible. I just don't think it's possible there. It isn't possible because simply looking from an enrollment standpoint. That's the problem. The facilities are wonderful for that particular division. Correct. The university is wonderful for that particular division. Now, one of the things that I don't know necessarily, as you said, if fans look at things historically with the amount of success Whitewater's had, when you have success, it breeds success. So if I come as a coach – and I'm looking at Jeff Orlowski, and I'm looking at you, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, and I'm saying, both of you guys are going to be a great fit. You're going to be playing Division Three football. You've had that understanding when you've talked to recruiters and everything else, and you say, all right, Division Three, where do you want to go in this area? You want to go to Whitewater because For historically sure. they win. Yep. And you know you have a chance by, eh, what is it, about the first week of December, you could even be on ESPN. You could be playing for a national championship on ESPN2 getting national coverage. Success breeds success. Then not only that, who gets real happy? The alumni. And what do alumni do? They write checks. Now you go up to the facilities in Whitewater. Everything's being renovated, jazzed up. It's a wonderful place. But it still fits into that D3 mold. So that train that you're talking about, Sparky, still continues to roll on, but it also continues to roll on because your ability to sell what you're doing is so much easier because you've had success. Because there's a – who is Mountain Union? Is that the other one that's really good? Yes. I mean, they're another one. They've been around forever and a day too. It's been Whitewater and Mountain Union for a long time. Coach retires, son takes over. They still roll for, at least in my opinion, the same reason. I go there because they win, and when they win, why not? I want to be a part of a winning program. Listen, Alabama, when we're looking at uh, at Saban, Alabama's good, right? No As far as a recruiting, and those kids know when they go there, they got to compete on a daily basis. I mean, there's a mentality that goes to Alabama. But he's selling a different dream. He's selling the dream of, I'm going to get you into the NFL. Oh, I'm that's not, the dream he's selling. I'm not arguing that. Different but, than Christ, who's selling education and making you a better person. There is, but there's also some of those players who might much rather go to Wisconsin because they might have an opportunity to play at a at a more consistent level than maybe Alabama. Alabama is sure. getting a really special breed of player, and what happens? Every year, it's Alabama and the rest of the world in college football. And now Clemson has caught up and a couple of the other ones. But for the most part, it's been Alabama for a long time. But what people forget was Alabama wasn't this good under Mike Shula. Wasn't this good? No. It was their down years. They were horrible. I was pulling my hair out going, how is this possible? Because you go from Stallings, then you have a couple other coaches, and then finally in comes Saban. 
and the whirlwind starts, and away we go. Winning makes you forget a lot of the ills that took place historically. Yes. And quite honestly, Whitewater, you might have to go back 20 years. No doubt. But there were time periods where Whitewater was not this dominant over a consistent period of time. We don't. We operate in the here and now within a few-year realm or whatever you want to call it. So I can understand where the See, fan that base would be, is coming from. That would be a fun one to go back, find that whitewater dude that's that's been around for a long time and, and involved in that 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 arena and be like, where do you think it changed? Like, was there a moment? Was there a recruit? Was there a coach that kind of changed the history of whitewater football going forward? Has to be. Has to be. Because right. you even look at the pro level, and I know you guys talk about it yep. all the time. As a kid, the Packers – when you were outside playing football on Sunday afternoons, you watched the first half, and that's that usually over. about all you could take because then at halftime God, you were all horrible. meeting and who's ever yard to yeah. play, and then all of a sudden what happens? You get a coach, you get a couple of key players, and all yeah. of a sudden everything flips and turns, and that momentum continues to go to this day. I, I would guarantee that would be a great point, Steve, to find somebody who's kind of the whitewater historian to say – what what was the earmark? What was the player, the Had coach, something. the athletic director, right. whoever it was that came in there that kind of changed the paradigm, that changed yep. the culture to be what it is? Because we know what it is for Green Bay. There has to be that guy or that moment or something that should be documented for Whitewater. Because yeah. I, can, I can tell you where it flipped for lacrosse is when Roger Herring left. Now, the stadium is named after him or the field is named right. after him up there. But when Coach Herring decided to retire after, gosh knows, 35, 40 years, whatever it was, they went through a period where the bottom dropped out. And this was a team that won national championships, that was battling for the top of the WEAC, you name it. Now Mike Schmidt comes in, and that whole culture thing is starting to change. Things are being built on campus. Things are being renovated on campus. Lacrosse right now is in that that shift that's kind of now headed towards what Whitewater is, and they're knocking on the door. They're not there yet, but they're knocking they're on the there. door. Right. So there always will be that one person, whether it's on the sideline, on the field, in the office, you name it, that really you know flips the script, so to speak. I'm really I'm leaving this time now. I, I I think I'm leaving this time. Steve, thank you. I think <laughs> that was fun. I could do I could do all two hours with Don Chillis. This you, was a lot of fun. You right, are well, always welcome. No, all right, Orlowski's out. Orlowski <laughs> doesn't want to be home anyhow. You just stay there. You'll be fine. All right. All right, Sparky. Thank See you, you so much. Take We're gonna care. step aside, take a break. We'll continue our discussion after this. This is the College Football Show right here on 105.7 FM. The Fan. Welcome back to the College Football Show right here at 105.7 FM. Jeff Orlowski on the yes, ones sir. and twos. There you go. Little Bella Fleck and the Flecktones. <laughs> These guys, jazzy. There's, you know, not yeah. really any lyrics. Just, it's good, happy music. Just laid back, yeah. trying to set the mood, get everybody ready for... This Packer game tonight, which could be something else. Oh, by the way, this is the college football show. I don't even know if I said that. Jeff Orlowski, <laughs> Don Wachillis with you here this evening, leading up to what will be the Packer kickoff. And don't forget the Green and Gold postgame show right here on 105.7 FM. The fan following the game with Bill Michaels and Gary Ellison. They'll be taking your phone calls and your reaction to what hopefully will be a win this evening coming out of Seattle. Are you? I'm confident. I'm not. Well, you know, I, I think I'm more confident in this one than I was against the Patriots or the Rams. Okay. Obviously, Seattle's not at the, that level. Yeah. Um, 
the the problem is is that you know the Packers have to stop the run. I I just I guess as I've said before I I drank the Kool Aid coming into this college football season with the Badgers. Oh, I know. I don't know if I was is is uh, all in necessarily with the Green Bay team, but after seeing what's happened with the Badgers, what, seeing what's happened with uh, the Packers, it just makes it um, that much more. Yeah as we make our way through the season. Now, coming up this week, the Badgers take on the Boilermakers of Purdue, and the Boilermakers of Purdue got their own issues going right now. I heard Sparky talking about it on my way in, the fact that the line is is we could see the head coach at Purdue walking out the door by the end of this football season and taking the head job at Louisville. Kudos to Louisville, though. Louisville Finally got rid of that mess that was in that athletic department. Oh. <laughs> the yes. football, basketball, athletic director now finally all gone. I just wonder, like, when people left the athletic department at Louisville, did you just feel like you needed a shower? Well, did you, you would... just feel like you needed to be, you know, put through some sort of power washing in order to just get the grime off of you? Because it just, from everything that we read and things that we see, that – it was just a grimy place to be hanging out. Well, all those people that left, you know, if you're a normal human, it would be basically the walk of shame. (laughs) But you know that not one of those people had any remorse. You know, they didn't sit there and think that their actions were bad. They probably don't even think they did anything wrong. That's how twisted and everything it all was over there. Now, before... We get back to to this. We've got uh, you know one of our big fans here, Tim and oh Tosa, on the phone wants to talk some whitewater football. Tim, you're on the college football show. Hey guys, much props to you guys for talking some D three football. And I just wanted to quick chime in. He kind of he kind of brought it up at the very end there. You know, I went to lacrosse way back in the day. You know, early nineties. And just about every year, Tim. Was, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but that that isn't even far enough back. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, Don. Don was there a lot <laughs> earlier than that, brother. <laughs> I was there in the early '90s, and just about every year, it was Mount Union and lacrosse playing for the national title. There you go. And, and it was fun. And uh, Roger Herring was key to that whole that whole deal. But uh, I will say this: I've sent my son to Whitewater football camp a couple, three times in the last five years. And you definitely, when you walk into that facility, have a feeling like they're kind of the, they've, they've had a good, a really, really good run. And now obviously Oshkosh has given them a little bit of a, a push, but, uh, but that whitewater program is fun. And those guys, they, they haven't done what they've done and kind of stolen that torch from lacrosse by accident. So yeah. Hey Tim, go back to your days in lacrosse. Didn't you get that sense, though, around campus, uh, during the summer, whatever the case may be, it was that same kind of aura that was taking place up there during that time frame? Oh, absolutely. And that's and that's exactly then what's happening right now at Whitewater. Head coach now, Kevin Bullis, who, who's assumed command of that program, really has continued their success. Tim, thank you so much for, uh, for giving us a call. I, I just... I just don't want to see Whitewater fans lose their mind 
because of the fact that they've had this success. Enjoy what you are having. Whitewater has become incredibly successful, not only on the football side, but in basketball, in baseball, women's gymnastics. The culture, now we were just talking about Louisville, right, Jeff? Right. Oh, yeah. What the culture was in Louisville, the culture in Whitewater is something completely different, but in a good way as opposed to what we're talking about right now, which is Louisville and head coach Bobby Petrino. Petrino just, I mean, I don't understand sometimes, Jeff, and and maybe you can explain it, maybe you can't, how you overlook some of the discretions that take place over a coach's time period, whether it's on the field or off the field, and that apparently winning and trying to get your program to whatever level you're trying to uh, elevate two is so important that you bypass some of the scumminess that's taking place off the field and not believe that somehow that won't trickle into your program to begin with. Well, I think especially when it comes to like a, a Bobby Petrino, you know, winning is all in, in big time college sports. And uh, you had to know, the fact that they would hire Petrino after the previous transgressions and everything else that he has had means, you know, that shows me that every single school is dirty. And the question is, how, how filthy are you? Yes. You know, are you are you North Carolina with fake uh, academic classes that somehow that got swept under the rug? Uh, sure did. You know. Or are you, you know, Rick Patino with getting, you know, girls for players and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, blew up into a huge story. Isn't, isn't Bobby Petrino the one who had the girlfriend on the back of his motorcycle and yeah. crashed? Uh-huh. And that's how the affair got exposed. And then yeah. the wife leaves and everything else. And again, I under, okay, Louisville with with Rick Patino, Louisville with other coaches, Denny Crum in the past, you you know, you can go backwards a little bit. They've had a level of winning at the basketball side of things that okay, you're almost a blue blood, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, in that area of the country. And I get football is a huge revenue maker, so why not try and build that up? But you're right. There I mean there's there's a level of <laughs> everywhere. Right. You know, How and, much are you willing to tolerate, then, is the part, I guess, when I'm looking at Louisville, really makes me scratch my head. Well, look at Ohio State, you know, and, and what's what's gone on over there. And, uh, you know, now there's Ohio State's putting the blowback back on that uh, Britt McKendry and uh, talking about possibly suing him for things that, you know, were either not on the up and up or whatever in his right. story. But, you know, it's just they will look past it until it gets to a point and then but the point is though is that even when you do get caught you know does I forgot what year Reggie Bush had to return the Heisman for when you ask anybody who won the Heisman that year well Reggie Bush won right we all remember yes we know who it was yes you could say that you got to vacate 214 wins I know you won because I watched the games right you know so none of that means anything it will only mean any something, anything, English. Mm. Yeah, okay, here we go. Um, it Where's will, the professor? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it will only mean something if 
50, 60, 70 years from now, you've got kids looking back trying to do a research project and going, who won the championship in 2005? That's where the difference will come in. Anybody, as you said, Jeff, who lived through that time period is not going to suddenly go and say, oh, yeah, you had a vacate, so now it's so-and-so's championship. It will be whoever won on that particular day. We'll continue our discussion after this break because there's a bit to talk about with Purdue. There's a really good storyline coming out of Purdue right now, a very heroic storyline, and we'll get to it next. This is the College Football Show right here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Get down on it. Once again, welcome back in to the College Football Show right here on 105.7 FM, The Fan, as we continue our discussion regarding the Badgers and the upcoming game against Purdue, as you heard right before we came back on the air. Stick around after the Packer game. It's the Palermo's Green and Gold postgame show with Bill Michaels and Gary Ellerson. They'll be taking your phone calls and your reactions to the Green Bay Packers-Seattle Seahawks game. But let's get back to college football here during this time frame and as we were saying Wisconsin's got Purdue coming this week Um, Purdue a very formidable opponent have beaten two ranked teams this year in Boston College and most notably that Ohio State game but they sit right now overall at 500 at five and five four and three in the Big Ten but Jeff, I, I guess one of the reasons why you have to love sports sometimes, and it goes to the Tyler Trent story that's come out of Purdue. Tyler Trent, a sophomore who's currently undergoing bone cancer treatment. Um, the courage, when you listen to this young man being interviewed, whether it's on ABC or ESPN, most notably at least where I've seen him uh, give interviews, what this young man is going through, what his family is enduring, and the way the team has rallied around to help support him through all of this, I, you know, I, don't get me wrong, I want the Badgers to win on Saturday, but my hat is off to the Purdue Boilermakers and what that community has done to rally around this young man. Yeah, it's amazing how we go from talking about transgressions at Louisville yes. and other dirty schools to talking about something like this that, uh, you know, you just you look back on this story, you read about it, the more information you got, and you just, you know, somebody's got to be cutting onions somewhere near you, you yeah. know. Uh, <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, a piece of sand yes. just got in your eye and all that. And, you know, it definitely, it brings out the best of sports. It and sure what, you know, we love besides the competition, the gambling, everything that goes with it, you know, this brings out the human side, and it's just its such a fantastic story. And when you look at what people who are facing these types of battles in everyday life and what they endure and the perseverance that they show and how sometimes they end up inspiring the same people that have inspired them to persevere and endure, it, it really is. It's just it, – it's been a wonderful story. Um, I know – about a week, two weeks ago now, uh, Scott Van Pelt had Tyler Trent on his show late at night, and and essentially, like you were saying there, sand was in the eye, yeah. onion was being cut, that kind of a thing, <laughs> um, leaving the chair open for him. That yep. when he's ready to, you know, we're we're gonna sit down and co-host. And I just, I I can't 
Um, I can't imagine what this young man is enduring, but I also know in watching and seeing what he has done, the inspiration that he has been to that Purdue Boilermaker team and in turn what that Purdue Boilermaker team has been for him. The Boilermakers coming up this weekend are going to be celebrating Senior Day. So what makes life worse is the fact that we have a Badger team that has struggled a bit, and now we've got to face a Purdue Boilermaker uh, squad that not only has been inspired by the Tyler Trent story, but it's Senior Day, so it's going to be something else to behold. we got to take a break. The professor has walked through the door. Dan Underberg is with us, and we'll get this roundtable going once again after the break. This is the College Football Show right here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Get down, get down. Again, welcome back in to the college football show. We're rubbing off on Orlowski. I'm telling you, I told him. He said, you I got, can play what I want. You and got you the ones and twos well. tonight, and he's coming back with cool in the gang. I'm liking this. I'm liking this. Hey, welcome in once again, as I said, to the college football show. Jeff Orlowski behind the table. The professor, Dan Underberg, is with us as well. I'm Don Wachillis as we've been getting ourselves, I guess, Trying to get the backbone straightened up a little bit here, Daniel, waiting for the Badger game uh, this Saturday against Purdue. But when you walked in while we were at the break, you said you had heard uh, some of the Bobby Petrino stories as we were talking about Louisville. Oh, yeah. And you, you, your memory is a good one. Go ahead. Well, the only the only way I envision Bobby Petrino now ever for the rest of my life will be as the guy that's standing in front of the press wearing that neck brace and that hat. <laughs> Yep. Just looking ridiculous <laughs> after you know, after crashing the motorcycle. Yes, after crashing the motorcycle and and <laughs> not still not being able to kind of come forward with everything cleanly. It just it was just a ridiculous moment in sports. It was, it was, and it it's become a ridiculous moment that even here would Sparky Sparky started this in the first segment or second when he said his job was to derail things. We have not followed the script, so to speak. It's like throw the. Throw the papers in the air. What the heck? Here we go. Let's wing it. But um, <laughs> the whole idea that somebody like Petrino can get $14 million in a buyout yeah, after absolutely right. screwing things up royally for Louisville is is unbelievable to me. Now, now granted, you have to have a certain skill set to get to where you're at, and you've got to – who knows who you have to trample and everything else to get to that position. But – I will say this verbally right now to the University of Louisville. I'll take half, <laughs> and I'll screw it up in a week. I yeah. won't even unpack the box. The boxes <laughs> will remain packed in the office. I will goof it up. You can ask me to leave. Just please give me it in a cashier check or money order, and I will walk out the door and won't even look back. And quite honestly, if what's in the box is necessary for the guy who succeeds me, he can have it. Uh, I'll, I'll just leave it behind. Well, I think Charlie Weiss is still getting paid from at least oh, one true. school. Yeah. Both. If yeah. not, yeah, both. if not both. So, you know, what a fantastic job. My goal in life was always, <laughs> it was always to be a ghost payrollee. I wanted the one that didn't have to show up. I didn't, you know, I, all I wanted to do was collect checks for doing nothing. That's what I'm, I'm best That's at. the Bobby Bonilla rule, right? It is. is. Absolutely. It is. Absolutely. Bonilla a little bit different. Yeah. Bonilla worked the system. At least he had a little bit of talent while he was on the field to maintain justification, I guess, for his salary. And when you think about it, in today's market, 
that's peanuts what they paid Bonilla, <laughs> and it's it's hard to believe. Bonilla was just smart enough to say, let's just stretch it out over, what was it, 30, 40 years, whatever yeah. it is, because he's still got, I believe, four four more years left, five more years left. Yeah, four or five. On, on that <laughs> particular million dollars a year. Every, what is it, June? Oh, I'm sorry, like July July 6th or something. Is Bobby Bonilla Day now in a lot of calendars because that's when that check rolls through. All right, let's get back to Division Three. First of all, shout out to Tim in Tosa for calling in before and wanting to talk a little bit about Whitewater. Thank you, sir, for listening. Dan, so Whitewater back in to the playoffs. Um, and this year it's them in St. Norbert yeah. who uh, will be representing Wisconsin in the NCAA Division Three playoffs. I'll tell you what, when I look at that bracket, I boy, I, I can see the path that Whitewater could have that will let them – back into the opportunity of getting another stag bowl. Yeah, I don't think anybody in Whitewater's bracket can feel real comfortable about where they're at right now. Um, they're, I Honestly, Don, I think they're the best team in that bracket. I personally think they're the best team in the tournament right now. So um, it's always dangerous to say, but I think the, it's, this is the tournament, this is the Warhawks tournament to lose. It, I, I would agree with you, especially with the fact, I, I don't remember what side it's on, but you have two teams right now that are ranked in the top at least the top eight, maybe the top seven in the final Division Three poll, mm-hmm. and they're playing each other in the first round. Yeah. So you've got two really good teams that are going to have to do battle. Now, there's something to be said if you're one of those two teams because you're absolutely going to be battle-tested heading into rounds two and three. The problem is, did the committee get it right by putting two really, really powerful teams against one another in that first round? Well, I, I think at some point when you're trying to set up, you don't again, you don't know what's going to be put in that in that um, in that the field of 32 until that last Saturday is done. And at some points, there's no perfect way to do it. You've got to put the teams together. You, there's you know there's the travel schedule. There's all this thing that has to that has to kind of there's this calculus that comes to kind of you know, putting a 32-team field together. So nothing is ever perfect. We go through this every year in March. And yeah, in terms no. of looking at basketball, we say this thing. So it's not going to be perfect, but, it, again, you play who you get scheduled to play and you move forward. And that's a great analogy, I think, with the basketball tournament in March because you always look at that 8-9 matchup as – as a real tough matchup. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to be oh, yeah. in that 8-9 seed right. because you know you're going to be fairly even as far as the matchup goes. And so those types of things right now can obviously happen. And as you said, based on based on transit, and a lot of this, let's face it, for these D3 schools, it's transit. Uh-huh. You're talking yep. about teams having to play one another in a particular region, right. and it just so happens that you got two really good teams having to go up against one another. Let me ask you this. We both – leading into this discussion, said Whitewater, we can see the path by which they will get to the Stag Bowl. Yep. The Stag Bowl now down in Texas, mm-hmm. so year number two of it being in Texas and not out on the East Coast. So you can take weather out of the factor in as to how teams will perform. But I guess my question to you, Dan, is with the fact that Whitewater had a bit of a, of a slip uh, we'll say last year that mm-hmm. Oshkosh valiantly filled the void yeah. in representing the WEAC, but that bit of a slip. Do you think Whitewater has kind of a relaxed sense about them that because they slipped and no one really was paying them much attention coming back into this year, that there's a freeness about what they're doing? I guess if I had to parallel it, it would be the way BYU came into 
Camp Randall in the beginning mm-hmm. of the season and just played football in a relaxed, did their own thing, and were confident. I'm just wondering, do you think Whitewater might have that same kind of devil-may-care attitude knowing how good they are at this point? I, I think it's a great point because I think when um, when Whitewater, if you want to call it they slipped, I think what it did is it kind of separated themselves a little bit from the the legacy or kind of the pressure of the the pressure of always winning, of always being good, of always going to the stag ball. It got it gave them, I would argue, a little bit of a breather. Now now every coach and every player is going to say, you know what? No, we want to win all the time. It's it's a, it's better to win, and I I understand that. But at some point, it starts to march up, and I'll I'll take it to a different way. You know, the Patriots best team in football for what maybe the last 15 years now easily but have they have they won every super bowl no it's 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 not they go 16 and 0 they face a giants team that they are much better than and at the end of the day they end up losing that that game right true so i i think that there is kind of there is an advantage for the warhawks in the sense of being just a little bit separated there's a little bit of freedom for not having to worry about kind of continuing that excellence there's this break and i think they needed it I'm looking at the top 25. Let's let's just run through at least the top 10 here real quick. Mount Union back at number one. Mount Union is going to be the team to beat. Sure. Mount Union is the Patriots. Mm-hmm. If we're looking, I think, for a parallel, you're going to have to knock Mount Union off a few years in a row before they won't be considered the top dog heading into the NCAA Division Three tournament. Mary Harden, Baylor, St. John's, Brockport, Whitewater at number five. Frostburg State. Never heard of oh, nope. Bring a map when you come to this one. <laughs> Harden Simmons, John Carroll, North Central out of Illinois, and Whitworth round out the top 10. UW Lacrosse will finish that final top 25 regular season poll, getting some honorable mention. Just it looks as by the voting with that RPI index that they finished just outside of the top 25. So congratulations. And and again, Dan, what are we saying? There's Whitewater, not Whitewater, there's Lacrosse knocking on the door again. Mm-hmm. Another year, just couldn't get past Oshkosh, just couldn't get past Whitewater, but they're right there again knocking on the door, so much so that people around the country are noticing the improvements that the Eagles have made. The University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, there boy. you go. Um, yeah, I, again, this is... But this is the strength of the WEAC. We talk about this a lot. But So here you have now, you've got Whitewater, you've got Oshkosh that will come back. You can count on that. It's It might be one of those those situations now where, you know, one knocks off the other a little bit. You have an upset, and then lacrosse is able to sneak in with, with uh, a, a conference win. It's, it's, it's going to be something like that. Because I think it's pretty clear looking at the WEAC right now is that you've got three top teams. Okay, And I, and I think that's going to be – we go Whitewater, we go Oshkosh, we go Lacrosse. I think those are your three, and then there's kind of a grouping behind them. But until, until again, Lacrosse can can knock down that wall, right? And and that wall is either Oshkosh or Whitewater. You know they they're going to be sitting in number three. Listen, I think if Oshkosh doesn't lose the way they did towards the end of the uh-huh. season to Eau Claire, right? We could be looking at Oshkosh with an at-large bid. Yeah. I think we could be seeing three teams from the state headed to the NCAA Division Three tournament as opposed to two. St. Norbert being the other team. St. Mm-hmm. Norbert with my favorite score of the year, winning <laughs> earlier in this season 91 to nothing. Talk about an Arena Football League score. St. Norbert will go and play Trine this Saturday. That kickoff 
uh, online looks to be at noon. Eureka is going to be at Whitewater. So Whitewater gets a home game. Now, the funny thing is, as we talked about travel before, and if yours truly can read a bracket correctly, which isn't always the case, <laughs> but if I'm reading this bracket correctly, we're looking at if, if mm-hmm. we get St. Norbert a win and we get Whitewater a win, we could see St. Norbert playing Whitewater, and you got to believe it will be at Whitewater, Whitewater. Mm-hmm. unless it's at a neutral site. But I believe the first couple of rounds they keep at the home of the yep. team with the winning record, so to speak. So you could be looking then at St. Norbert at Whitewater. How much fun would that be to have two state schools I'm in round the two same playing thing. against yeah. one another? Yeah, and it's it's an easy trip for uh, for St. Norbert to come down to Whitewater. I mean, that's 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 two hours, maybe a, maybe a hair over. Yeah, to get down there. I, yeah, definitely. That's simple. So why not why not make the trip? Why not you know get all of St. Norbert down there to fill in that stadium, and just have a great atmosphere for November football. You know, St. Norbert will it. be packing the bus. You got to believe yeah. they'll oh, be yeah. packing the bus in order to come down or, or across and over and. <laughs> Through the woods. Math, geography. What are we eh, doing? This no, is we're just football radio show, for people. goodness sakes. Um, but that could really that could really be a lot of fun. But it's a big if. We yeah. got to get past week one. And as much as I believe Whitewater would roll, as much as I believe if we were in Vegas and somehow Vegas was putting the NCAA Division three lines up on the board, <laughs> I think the spread would probably be like 28. Mm-hmm. I just really think Whitewater has the opportunity to roll. But – with that said, you can't you can't look past. I get it, Eureka, because Eureka made it into the playoffs. Not they're not a 16 seed team like you might find in the NCAA basketball right. tournament. Right. No, but I, I still think if you look at the strength of Whitewater right now, their defense has been outstanding. Their their offense has just been nonstop. No one's been able to slow them down. Um, you know, Eureka. Eureka hasn't been perfect in the NACC. They've got they had a couple glitches. You know this could this could have very well gone Concordia's way. You know they're just just a couple games and yeah. it goes in in a different direction. You're right. Um, so I, I I'm pretty confident in saying that Whitewater is going to win this first round game. Okay, you hit something right on the head where I was going with this, and that's if Concordia doesn't have the hiccup towards the end of the season. Yep. If Oshkosh yep. doesn't have mm-hmm. the hiccup towards the end of the season, you're potentially seeing four teams from this state in a 32-team playoff format that's supposed to cover the entire United States, and you could have four coming right here from the state of Wisconsin. And you could have that. I think you could get, you could have that in any given year right now. I think that's the quality of the football that you see through the NACC, through, through the WEAC. Right. Um, I think that's an opportunity that could float out there. And, and yeah, I think – I'm with you. I think Oshkosh is so close. They had they had such an opportunity to be that to get that at large bid. I think what we're seeing from kind of the top 25 and and so on is that the voters recognize that one of those losses by Oshkosh was a D2 program. They yeah. understood oh, yeah. that it was a way. So that you t- you put that into play and they they had a strong shot of getting in. And Jeff, we we were kind of going back and forth with this in the second segment, and when we look at why teams like Whitewater, have been consistently effective over the years. So you take Whitewater, St. Norbert, Concordia, you take all of these teams that have had success from this area. This area has essentially become a hotbed for Division Three football. So even if you're not from this state, if you're from outlying areas or any part of the country and Division Three is where you're headed – 
where else would you want to come knowing that the best competition and the most notoriety at that level is right here in our state? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Whitewater has got themselves to the point where, you know, they're kind of almost at Alabama in D1, where you just sit there and you plant the flag out on the front lawn of campus <laughs> saying, now accepting recruits and people come to you. You don't have to chase everybody. They are chasing you. They want to play for you and win for you. It is wonderful. Something tells me head coach Kevin Bullis just threw something at the radio going, really, Orlowski, you think it's that easy? You think it's that simple to recruit here? You come sit in this chair. No, but I get I get what you're saying. How much saying. does it pay? <laughs> I get what you're mile. saying because you want to go as an athlete where you can be noted, where the team is going to be successful, where you you go right down the line. It's what attracts. It's what has brought – the facilities to Whitewater, Oshkosh, Lacrosse, River Falls. Last year, talking basketball up at River Falls, brand new facility mm -hmm. up there, million dollars, uh, multi million dollar facility, you know, state of the art. These types of things are happening at the Division Three level, and it's happening because one, these teams are successful, but two, universities are starting to realize if we reinvest, we're drawing kids. And if we're drawing kids, what does that mean? That's that's tuition money, bottom line, because we're not giving scholarships away. But you do have to be careful because it is everything is cyclical. And, you know, when I was growing up, it was Florida State and Miami, yeah. and those were the powerhouses, and now you look at them and they're doggy do. And so, <laughs> you know, it uh, you you gotta you gotta be careful. You gotta you wanna build the facilities while the money's pouring in. You wanna ride the wave as long as you can because eventually you're going to be on the other side. And on Doggy Doo, it'll be time to take a break. <laughs> when we come back, let's look at the week that was and then begin the process of looking forward because there was one game last week that I completely missed, which is why I don't go to Vegas anymore, and we'll talk about it next. <laughs> come on. This is the College Football Show right here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. So Once again, welcome in to the College Football Show right here on 105.7 FM. The fan, Jeff Orlowski, has taken over the bumper music, as you may tell. <laughs> A little Iron Maiden. Uh, Professor Dan Underberg alongside myself, Don Wachillis. Thank you once again for joining us this evening as the Packers are getting set to kick off here momentarily. Don't forget, after the game, keep it right here for the Green and Gold, the Palermo's Green and Gold postgame show with Bill Michaels and Gary Ellerson. They'll be taking your calls in reaction to tonight's contest. But let's go back, guys, to last week and some of the games that, once again, keep you going with regards to college football because there were some that I thought I was sure, I was sure I could pick the winner, and I was <laughs> sure I was wrong by the end of that Saturday night. And the one, Jeff, I'll start with you, and you called it, you called it. I said this could be the week, being last week, that UCF finally gets its first loss with Navy rolling in, and UCF just took Navy to school 35-24. to 24. Yeah, yeah, they sure did. Uh, 
They don't call me the Polish Nostradamus. Oh, no, here we go. You know, it. Uh, you don't doubt the undefeated defending national champion against Navy. And what a great school Navy is. And hats off to all the fine sailors everywhere in the world. But, uh, but yeah, no, uh, you don't. You don't mess with UCF. Yeah, they. They. <laughs> boy, they proved me wrong. I. I still. I understand when we were talking about this last week, guys, the fact that nobody sitting in that committee is really worried about UCF. They're just not. They're, UCF has not played a team, and I'm not even sure what Navy was going into last week, but had not played a winning team. So UCF, though, continues to win. They're not necessarily beating somebody where people are going to scratch their heads. Now, what will happen? They'll get to a good bowl game. They'll play a team like Auburn again mm-hmm. and dismantle Auburn, and you'll get a situation where that SEC team coming in is like, okay, we just want to, we just want to finish this season up because we had such a eh, season, and UCF is looking at it as their national championship and will play to that level, and then continue the argument as to why they were not included into that Final Four. They weren't included into the Final Four because they weren't good enough. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I get but, it. I get it, right. but I'm just saying this is where UCF right. is going yeah, to be coming it, from. They, they, can, they can extend their narrative, and you know what? As an athletic department, as a head coach, as a team, that's exactly what you should be doing. You should be advocating for yourself and putting out there that you can play against these top programs and 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 putting out there that, you know, how come we're not getting the opportunity to play in the playoffs and the playoffs should be expanded and blah, 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 blah. Right? I honestly think – the, the gentleman, I don't have his name in front of me, and I don't know it off the top of my head, but the athletic director down at UCF, I, he should be athletic director of the year. For what he did with that whole parade thing mm-hmm. at Disney World, again, of putting his university in the lips of all of us as we talk about college football and keeping them in the forefront. Listen, we've, we've said San Jose State, up until a week or two ago, Every RPI number that they had was better than UCF, but who are we talking about? We're talking about UCF. Jeff, thank you. You just pulled it up. Danny White. Not the same one. Okay. Danny White that played for Dallas, probably not as intelligent as this Danny White. I'm just saying. Yes, I'm not a Cowboy fan, so there we go. Um, it's, It's what he needed to do to keep the conversation going. And when we're just talking, we spent so much time tonight talking about that ability to win and recruiting and everything else. How much better can it be from a recruiting standpoint than keeping your university in the forefront where it's constantly being talked about, much like Appalachian State was years back Mm -hmm. when they beat Michigan, and getting now a higher level of player, a higher starred level recruit, into your program, which then will continue that process that it will just keep the ball rolling. So if UCF is going to continue to do that, I mean, we've, we've, got, to, we've got to look at it from maybe a little bit more cold and, and objective standpoint, which is this team from UCF is still Scott Frost's team. You know, they're, that, that, that's his recruits. They are. Those are the guys they that are. he put out there. So the new head coach, Danny White, has got to go out there and he's got to figure it out. Was that the athletic director? Sorry. That's all right. Um, but the, the new head coach has got to be up to, to continue the pipeline of players that they're bringing in that, yep. that can win. And that that would always be the challenge because be assured that a lot of those guys were going to UCF because of Scott Frost. That was a, that was a big draw to them. The other thing now is that UCF is going to get pulled into, whether they want to or not, 
into the arms race, if they really want to get into this next level of football, then their their stadium's going to have to be better, their facilities are going to have to be better, and that's a question for UCF. Do they want to invest? Can they invest? Because again, they're not Alabama, they're not Auburn, they're not ten, they're not even Tennessee, right? They're, no, they've got to make they they're going to have to make the decision what they want to do and how much. How much is the tail of football going to wag the dog at UCF? Yeah, but the fact that they gave rings to the coach and and everybody else <laughs> associated with the program, they made the banners, they had the parade, everything like that, that tells you that they're, you know, at least it tells me that they want to invest and keep this as a long-term thing. They they got their name out there, and that that in this day and age is the biggest thing needed because of social media, Twitter, you name it, as long as that name stays out there. Sometimes, you know, the old saying is bad press is still good press as long as your name is out there. And none of this has really been bad press. It's just been fodder for discussion because of whether or not they should have had the national championship parade and the rings and so forth. But at least the discussion continues. And if you're UCF, I think right now the president, not maybe necessarily athletic director, but the president is just sitting back with his feet up going, go get them, boys. You go ahead. You keep throwing that mess out there, and I'll keep showing up for those parades because whether or not, as you said, Dan, UCF then wants to go to the next level, it sure is bringing kids down here. It sure is bringing people in to see what we're offering. And the bottom line for me is what is underneath that balance when I look at the (laughs) books, and if that balance is sitting pretty – I'm a happy camper. I think when I look at when I look at this happen to, to different programs, I think there's there's going to be for me there's a concern, which is number one, can you sustain? And I get that they're doing it, but but can you sustain long term? And that's going to be that's a, a higher level of, of investment, both in in all types of resources. Okay, not just financial, but in everything. Are, are you going to invest and you're going to choose to put UCF football on the front burner and then? You're talking about different levels of university. You're talking about board of directors. You're talking about president. You're talking about stakeholders that we're not. We don't have the time to bring up. Okay, so you got to be aware of that. You know, I and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just chain myself to the rock that I'm on right now, which is I get it. That sure they're investing in the parade. They're investing in the rings. To me, that's 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 a that's a that's just straight kind of P.T. Barnum promotional stuff. They're staying in front of people. That's great. Doing that stuff, I understand it, but. The real investment's going to come two years from now, three years from now, if they're investing in stadium and if they're investing in facilities. Then we'll know. You'll know how you know, serious we'll they know are, how right? Serious they are. All right. Let's look at the top 25 heading into this weekend. Alabama at one, Clemson two, Notre Dame three, Michigan four, Georgia and Oklahoma sitting at five and six, knocking on the proverbial door. I I don't know how – the committee could goof this up. I mean, it just – I'm looking at the top four and I go, yeah. I mean, you know, in years past you'd have these arguments like should so-and-so beat so-and-so and, and this, that, and the other thing. I'm looking at it right now going, you got to have the easiest meeting in the history of the college football playoff. It should really be a bunch of people sitting in a room having a few cocktails with their feet up, <laughs> enjoying life, because based on – what the records are and the quality of opponent and all of those factors that you put in, they got it right. Those are your top four. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, and that's good radio, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, no, I, I, I'm with you. I understand why they are the top four right now. I, I get that. I just look at that. If you look at, you know, the ACC has a championship game 
Big Ten has a championship game. SEC has a championship game. Notre Dame, right? There's so we're we're two weeks away from kind of really figuring out for sure what's going on. I think if anybody's going to get a pass, it's going to be Notre Dame. Got to finish with a with another couple wins, and they're good, and they're going to be in. I personally, after watching Oklahoma play last week, um, knowing what Georgia is capable of, I'm not convinced that Notre Dame is that much better or better than all than Oklahoma or or Georgia. I'm just not. But because again, Notre Dame is doing it smart right now. They are not. They'll never be in a conference. They they have a bit of an advantage to kind of slide into that three or four spot. And the only thing that I cannot find myself to be critical of when it comes to Notre Dame is okay. So you're beating a team that's still ranked in the top four in Michigan. Sure. And it might have been week one. Yep. And life has obviously changed through the months, but you still beat a team now that is ranked in the top four. And then I look at the other teams that they've played, and it's it's not to say that it is Cupcake Central when you're looking down Notre Dame's schedule. Maybe, though, based on this season. But, Jeff, we, we've said it ad nausea on this show about how far in advance you've got to book these games in order to get your schedule set. So when you put Florida State on the schedule – Florida State, as you got, as you mentioned before, with Miami and FSU being a powerhouse, traditionally, you look at that game five, six, seven years ago, whatever it was, you didn't think FSU was going to be as bad as they are right now. Not forty-two to thirteen bad, right. and that thirteen FSU scored. Let's, uh, you know, I that was like they sent Wachillis in to play <laughs> to play safety at the end of the game because they wanted to make him happy safety that he showed up for down. practice. <laughs> Is he tying his shoe again? <laughs> um, but Northwestern, more than respectable this year. Pitt is usually respectable and are again this year. Virginia Tech ranked at the time. Stanford ranked at the time. So Notre Dame, though not in a conference and though not playing for a conference championship, I still, I still like their chances moving forward simply because the teams they played – Again, seven years ago, you just you just didn't know. Ranked at the time, not ranked anymore. Oh, You've got Michigan, go. and you know when they take on Syracuse, you know uh, hopefully once the Orange beats them, it'll all be you know settled. But if Notre Dame happens to escape, Syracuse will still be ranked. So you know, but it's not the same USC team. It's nope. not the same Florida State. You know it. Uh, but they get that cachet because of the Golden Domes and mm-hmm. because of the oh, yeah. name and all that. And if Notre Dame wins out, there's no way that they miss out Correct. on the playoffs. Correct. Deserving or not. And obviously, I'm completely biased. I say not. I'm looking at this one here to throw in the mix before I know we're going to end up taking a break here shortly. But that's this. Ohio State, there's still this buzz around that Urban Meyer will be done after this year for a variety of reasons that he's going to pack his bags and and walk away, whether it was the turmoil at the beginning of the year, whether it's since that turmoil, the, the friction between he and administration, whether his health has come back into the mix, all of those things being talked about and bantered about as to whether or not Urban Meyer will come back. Yet, Ohio State still kind of hanging around in that top 10, and Ohio State if it finds its way past Michigan, if it finds its way into the Big Ten Championship and gets a win, 
could we see Ohio State vault into the top four where right now they're kind of this afterthought in the midst of all this turmoil because over the last couple of weeks they have not really played great football but they've still found a way to win I I guess I would put that in the realm of it's possible but not likely I think that that loss against Purdue is going to be the one that's going to that's going to tie them to the bottom of the sea this year a little bit in terms of, of escaping it into the, the final four um it's I think it's going to be fun watching Michigan-Ohio State this year. I think this is the first time Michigan's got a really, really good chance to beat Ohio State. I wouldn't have said that at the beginning of the season. I it no. was not a believer in Michigan. <laughs> Remember, um, I I had uh, Harbaugh being fired after yeah. the Wisconsin game. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, it's a lot of things would have to happen. And basically, I think your ACC, your SEC conferences have to be an upset. I think would be what would be interesting is that if you have if you have the one upset in either the ACC or the SEC, and then Northwestern comes in, and let's say they beat Michigan, then I think you're going to see some real changes in kind of that that front four, with the exception of Alabama. Alabama can go in, they can lose the SEC, SEC championship, they're still getting in, but after that, that those last three spots, it could be anybody's game. All right, so let's for hypothetical purposes say Michigan does beat Ohio State. And you put Michigan against Northwestern for the Big Ten Championship. Now, Northwestern earlier this year is playing Michigan and and basically had them beat and then just forgot how to play football. They put Wachillis back at safety again, and they forgot how to play football. That plays a lot of football. You would right? never have gotten into Northwestern, Don. I'm sorry. Wow. Um, there's any... Any self-esteem coaches out there, I'd, I'd like to speak with you at this point. But um, thanks, Jeff. Love you too, kid. You're welcome, um, buddy. Who then – I just throw up the white flag. Who then would win the game in the Big Ten Championship and I'll just go pout in a corner? <laughs> I'm still laughing. You take this one. Um, you know, uh, between Northwestern and Michigan, it's got to be Michigan right. with the way that they're playing. And, you know, I don't think it would be as close now as it was earlier in the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm same way. I think Northwestern may be able to keep up with them for the better part of a quarter and a half maybe, or and maybe two, but but after after that, after halftime, I think Michigan just takes over. Especially if at halftime, if it's a close game, and, uh, and Harbaugh goes over to the Northwestern sidelines and puts a pair of khakis on you down and brings you <laughs> over to his sideline, then it's a wrap. Oh, it's so much fun to hang out with you guys on a Thursday. With that, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll preview some of the games upcoming this weekend, and I'll see if I can't get my self-esteem back on par. This is the College Football Show right here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Go, 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 Charlie. It's your birthday. We're going to party like it's your birthday. We're going to sip a party like it's your birthday. Once again, welcome back in to the college football show right here on 105.7 FM. The fan, don't forget, after the Packer game this evening, you can join Bill Michaels and Gary Ellerson right here as they'll be taking your calls on the Palermo's Green and Gold postgame show. But we had that music for a reason. Because somebody in this studio's got a birthday coming. Oh, man. I'm sitting here dancing to it. Attack the self-esteem. I'll get you, Hoss. Oh, yeah, you get me with age. Nice. So, happy birthday, sir. (laughs) Thank you very much. I know it's a couple days early, but happy birthday. appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Gives me an excuse on Saturday. I like that. Welcome to to your 40s. 
Yeah. Thanks, man. No Thank problem. Thank you so much. I, I'll, I'll, I'm going to stick with that. Just remember, Jeff, Jeff told us he didn't do well in math, so yeah. we're all good. <laughs> we're all good. <laughs> all right. So, Professor, happy birthday. Thank you. Appreciate, appreciate it. you, kid. All right. Let's uh, look at some of the games coming up this week. First of all, we'll start with the home team, Wisconsin at Purdue. Let's go around the table a little bit and get some predictions. What are you thinking, Dan? I'm, I am I have fallen off the wagon, Don. I am um, – I've got to take Purdue. I think I think number one, Purdue is playing better. Number two, I think Purdue, for whatever reason, has more to play for right now than Wisconsin does. Um, I think Wisconsin. I, not only am I nervous about this game, I think they might be giving the axe away next week. So I, I I've got to go with Purdue on this one. Whoa, Jeff. Um, I'm a little more confident than uh, than Dan. I think it's gut check time. I think that. Uh, the Badgers need to sit there and show that, A, they haven't given up on the season and that they still have their pride. So I think that they're going to pull out a close one, but I do expect Wisconsin to win. Gut check is probably the best foray into this next game, and this one is, I don't think, on many people's maps except for probably those in the area. Liberty at Auburn, and here's why I say it. Auburn has not lived up to expectations, much like the Badgers, but Auburn not living up to expectations is a whole different world than what we're experiencing here in the state of Wisconsin. I could see Liberty not necessarily maybe winning the game, but giving Auburn all they've got, which I think then could expedite the firing of a coach down in the state of Alabama. Well, it doesn't take much in that part of the country if you're not playing well. Um, you can go away within two or three years really easily. And, and I, I'm kind of – I know they're playing Liberty. I kind of wish they were playing Troy State. Troy State is a really solid, you know, one double yeah. team. And that's something that you could really see happening where they could walk in there and shock Auburn. Um, I think Auburn wins, but this is one of those games where they've got to, they've got to win handily. Yeah. Jeff, Pac-10, Pac-12, Pac-whatever, out west – Arizona at number eight, Washington State. Washington State's found a way to win. Arizona has gotten markedly better as the season has gone on, maybe not necessarily from their one-loss standpoint, but if you get to stay up and you watch them play, they, they've shown improvement over the course of this season. And Washington State, you know, banging the gong, so to speak, about them possibly vaulting into one of those final four spots this could be a key matchup against Arizona. Yeah, call me a non-believer in Washington State, but I don't believe in Washington State. <laughs> and, you know, they are... The definition of a non-believer. I believe it is, yeah. <laughs> you nailed it. You know, they're a 10-point favorite at home. Uh, I think Arizona's going to keep it close, if not win outright. Uh, you know, this is one of those games that, you know, it might come down to who has the ball last. And uh, I, I don't think it's definitely... It's not going to be a runaway for, for Washington State. Who has been, for you guys, uh, regardless of league, who's been the biggest surprise as far as the college football season has gone? Because let's face it, we only got a couple of weeks left. We get into these conference championships in that first week of December, and next thing you know, we're starting to talk about bowl games and the way things are going for Wisconsin. That bowl game could come sooner than later, which isn't always a good thing when you're looking at the schedule. I got. I got to keep that answer close to home. I, you know, like you, I drank the Kool Aid, and I thought Wisconsin was going to be much better than they are. Um, and so, the fact that, man, the fact that they're this bad, or this this unimpressive, or they're struggling this much, 
Uh, the fact that they were good, they've gone from number four to number nothing, um, I think that to me is one of the biggest biggest shocks. Jeff, how about you? We're talking disappointment. Disappointment, or no, oh, it, no. it can go the other way. Just just a shock. The the team that has surprised you the most. West Virginia. I did not think that uh, that West Virginia was going to be this good for them to pick up a win on the road at Texas. Uh, they just destroyed TCU, Baylor. Uh, you know, other teams, the only loss they had was on the road at Iowa State, which they got smoked by 16. But, you know, I, I did not think that the Mountaineers were going to be as dominant as they are. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go back to what you had said earlier when you were talking about Miami and Florida State. For me, it's Florida State. I, I have a hard time believing with the ability that they have to recruit let's go back to uh, animal house days from a legacy level. Like there, there's enough, there's enough legacy going around that university that they can pull kids in from wherever. And there's still that segment of the population within the state of Florida that wants to play at Florida state because it's, you know, it's one of the major kind of things that you aspire to being a high school player in the state of Florida and to watch that team fall the way they have to me has just been unbelievable and talk about a coach who they brought in who was a legacy who his dream job was to be at Florida State who could now find himself looking for a job at the end of the year to me Florida State is the biggest surprise we've got one more segment to go it'll be time to shovel the funk and we'll do it next this is the college football show right here 1057 FM the fan I want to shovel the funk I want to shovel the funk I want to shovel the funk Welcome back in once again to the final segment of the college football show right here on 1057 FM, the fan 1250 AM or on the radio.com app. Don't forget, after the Packer game this evening, it's the Palermo's Green and Gold postgame show with Bill Michaels. And Gary Ellerson will be taking your calls and reaction to this Packer game as we can't, I can't, but yes. Woohoo! Great play. All right, we'll <laughs> leave it at that. It's time to shovel the fog, sponsored by Americana Apparel LLC. Give Jim Van Acker a call and check them out at AmericanaApparelLLC.com. Mr. Orlowski, I start with you, sir. Go. My shovel goes to the mighty Scarlet Knights of Rutgers. What uh -oh. a fantastic program they are. <laughs> going to the game against Michigan, 37 and a half point dogs. Uh, I took the points. They lost by 35. <laughs> Cha-ching. Over under was 46 and a half. I took the over 49. A double thank you goes out to Rutgers. <laughs> it's a great Christmas at the Orlando. It is. It is. <laughs> Rutgers yep. gear. Rutgers gear for everyone. All right, Dan, go ahead. I think we're gonna. I, I'm sending mine to a program we haven't talked a lot, a lot about, but it's got to go to St. Norbert team going into making it into the playoffs they've had a hell of a season they're they're, they're facing a tough first round opponent a prominent and trying and, and having to do that so i wish them the best of luck and i wish them a little selfishly i'd like to see uh st norbert and whitewater uh go head to head i think oh, it'd be great so would, that would be a great matchup in a couple of weeks if, if those things play out with regards to the bracket for me 
My shovel is going to Davidson. We talked about this game back in the beginning of the show. Davidson rushes for 789 yards against San Diego. We have people who rush for 231 yards, 199 yards, 159 yards, and 150 yards respectively. And how to turn out that? Over 800 <laughs> yards of offense. And you lose to San Diego 56-52. to 52. So, Oops. Packer fans, be careful what you wish for. If you want the Packers to run the ball, there's a team that ran the ball up and down the field like there was no tomorrow, but you got to play some defense in order to win some ball games. So, guys, again, we've got Wisconsin and Purdue. And, Dan, before you walked in tonight, I just felt like, once again, we could have taken out Whatever team Wisconsin's playing inserted the upcoming team or the team from the past, and we've replayed the scenario over and over again this year. Yeah, it's 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 been tough to watch. I, I think my concern now is looking into the future. I, for the first time, I feel like we we really got to rethink what we're doing for quarterback next year. And and while I don't mean to do this to be alarmist, but what is Jonathan Taylor thinking now? But he's got to look at this offense a little bit and thinking. Man, is this worth it? I, I don't know because it's 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 a tough call. So I'm I'm a little nervous. Yeah, Jeff had that same thought going into uh, into this game, into this season, into next year as to whether or not you think Taylor will contemplate taking off based on what we've seen to this point. Yeah, if he didn't put the ball on the carpet as much as he does, I think for sure he would have said right. he would sit out next season mm-hmm. because of the fumbleitis. I think he uh, he will play. But I wouldn't be surprised if behind the scenes he doesn't make a push uh, for Mertz as a starting quarterback. You betcha. Guys, don't forget the Palermo's Green and Gold postgame show following the Packer game this evening with Bill Michaels and Gary Ellerson. For our producer, the Polish pipe bomb, Jeff Orlowski, the professor, Dan Underberg. Daniel, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you, sir. I am Don Wachillis. Guys, we've got a schedule change. We're back on Tuesday. It's Thanksgiving week next week. And then after that, we move to Sundays because we switch over to college football. The college football. We're talking college football. We switch to college <laughs> basketball. And we'll do that on December 2nd. Thank you once again for listening this evening. Go Pack and Badgers. It's the Red Box Bowl. See you later.